the book of Ruth. And we've learned lots about God's heart. We've learned about how he cares for those who are in need. We've learned lots of different things. But I want to remind you guys this morning that one of the main reasons why we've chosen to go through the book of Ruth is because the main theme of the book of Ruth is that of a kinsman redeemer. It is beautiful how God inserts us in the Old Testament and he shows us later on what the fulfillment of this would be in Jesus Christ. And we are wanting to learn more about what it means to be a kinsman redeemer because we, before long, are going to be called Redeemer Christian Church. And so we want to make sure that we hold this name with a level of respect and love as we uh, take on that new name. Now, last week, we had Matt preaching, and we saw Ruth doing some rather questionable things, didn't we? At the advice of her mother-in-law, she goes and starts getting the message across to Boaz, and Ruth is a Moabite. But what you will notice is that Ruth seems to have a bit of a South African streak within her. In true Tsotsi fashion, she breaks into the threshing floor, and it says that it's about midnight. Nobody can see what's going on. She leaves the next morning before the sun is properly up, before you can even recognize what is going on. She leaves with six measures of barley, which is about 15 kgs, which ironically is also the same weight of a 50-inch flat-screen TV. (laughs) But what took place, what took place in that moment is truly beautiful because what Ruth did is she realized, I need to go to Boaz and ask him to redeem me. It was not happening automatically, and so she takes it upon herself to go and ask for redemption. And as Matt pointed out, that is symbolic of you and I going, if we know much about Jesus, that's not necessarily too helpful. If we try to apply parts of God's word, that's great. You'll have some form of blessing from that. But if you don't actually go to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you redeem me? Then you will not be saved. And so we see that she goes to Boaz and she asks to be redeemed. And I want to draw you to another major theme running through this book, is that God is sovereign over all things, and he uses people's need to lead them to exactly where they need to go at the right time. Many years ago, what the Bushmen used to do is they would move into a new location, and they didn't know where the water sources were, they would catch a baboon. And they would tie the baboon to a tree, and they would start feeding it bits of salt. And then they would let it wait there for about an hour. And soon the need, the thirst, would grow within this baboon. And then the bushman would go and they'd cut that rope. And the baboon would go straight to the nearest water source. And they would say, thank you very much. (laughs) We see God using need in a phenomenal way in the story of Ruth. where, Where Naomi goes and she finds herself in the land of Moab, having lost her two sons, having lost her husband. She needs family. She needs security. She needs provision. And God uses her need to lead her straight back to Bethlehem. We then see that Ruth goes with, and Ruth and Naomi need food. And that need leads them to the very fields of Boaz. Again, God uses need to lead them to the right fields. The end of Ruth chapter 2, we see that she gleans there until the wheat and the barley harvests are finished. There's going to be no more food coming in. And that need leads Naomi to hatch a plan to go and send Ruth to the threshing floor to go and ask to be redeemed. At every point in the story, God is sovereignly plotting and planning to pull people using their needs. They think, I just need this thing, and God's going, no, 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 I love you, and I'm pulling you into exactly where I need you to be. So we're going to go through Ruth chapter four this morning. I've asked Kat to please come up and read 
for us. The stickles are in town. We've loaned them to Grahamstown for about a year or less, and then they will be, they will be back home. Thanks, Kat. Cool. So I'm reading from Ruth chapter 4. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi has come back from the country of Moab. Naomi, sorry, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. If you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it. And I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate, to, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times of Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, then he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Marlon. Also Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of Marlon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the woman of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Abinadab. Abinadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. 
Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. So much. So my first point for this morning, point number one, is the redemption of Ruth. I love how Matt said last week, it was like the bull has been released, you know. You get this vision of the Pamplona bull run taking place and everybody just jumping out of the way as Boaz goes for the jugular. He wants to make sure that Ruth is redeemed. And so he heads to the city gates. And this might seem a bit strange to you and I, but where all the legal matters would take place in this day and age was in the city gate. The elders would be around that area. They would make sure they knew exactly what business was coming in or going out of their city. And so he heads up there. And once again, we have another instance here of it just so happened. As Boaz is going up to the gate, it just so happens that he walks into the exact redeemer that he is looking for. This is what it says. And behold, look, be amazed. The redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. And this is the closest redeemer that he needs to speak to. It doesn't take a few days. He walks up to the gates and this guy is there. And as he gets there, he says, turn aside, friend, we need to chat. There is some redemption that needs to take place here. Now remember, redemption in Israel was done for two main reasons. The one is God cared about the widow. He wanted to make sure that she would be taken care of in this situation. But the other one was to keep the name going for that family. Your name was very important in the land of Israel. And that's important because as we look into our story today, what do we see? We see a nameless wonder. You see a guy whose name does not show up. It's Mr. Nobody Important. If you go and you look into the original Hebrew, you'll see that the way that the author has done this is he calls him Mr. So-and-so. Mr. Nobody Important. You don't need to know his name. There have been shadows cast over this guy's character because of the way that he behaves. Had Mr. So-and-so been faithful to fulfill his duties and to redeem Ruth, we'd be preaching this morning about him and how faithful he was to God's word. But instead, we see that Mr. So-and-so is more concerned about his own inheritance, about his own kingdom. And this is very similar to another parable that Jesus tells. In Luke chapter 16, he tells the parable about a rich man and Lazarus. And Lazarus is this poor guy. He doesn't have enough food to feed himself. He's starving. He's pretty much dumped at a guy's gate. He's got sores all over his legs, and the dogs would come and lick his sores. And he looks at the food, and he says, oh, I just wish I could eat some of the crumbs that are falling off that guy's table. The rich man lives in luxury, but Jesus says one day they both die. And when they die, the rich guy goes off to hell, where Everything he's been gaining his whole life is lost. It is gone forever. All of his material possessions, gone in an instant. And yet Lazarus is known by God. And that is why he has a name. And the other guy was just some rich man. And one day in hell, he takes nothing with him. And so he just used to be some rich man. Loved his inheritance and ends up losing all of it. And you'll see that Mr. So-and-so in today's story is very similar to this rich man. He is more worried about what would happen to his own inheritance. Now, you are never going to see Boaz the same way after today. Remember, up until this point, we've gone, man, Boaz is just so loving, so kind, this godly guy, applying God's word. And then you go and you see today, he is as innocent as a lamb, but he is as sneaky as a slung, is Boaz in this story. So story time, what happens? He goes and he says, Mr. So-and-so, 
come and take a seat with us. And he looks to the elders and he says, won't you guys come as well? Ten elders instantly drop what they're doing and they go, yes, Boaz must have some sort of standing. He's a well-known guy. He's respected. And he says, Mr. So-and-so, you know exactly what has happened, that Naomi has come back and she and the land needs to be redeemed. Now, Naomi is past childbearing age. You won't have to marry her, but you will need to look after her. You will need to take care of her. And after his long speech that he makes about what needs to be done and how redemption needs to take place here, verse 4, in English, it's four words. Mr. So-and-so goes, I will redeem it. In the Hebrew, it's even less than that. It's like Boaz explains the story, and he's just like, yes, yes, I, I will redeem it. It's mine. But then we see that something else takes place. Boaz mentions some information that seems to stop Mr. So-and-so in his tracks. And it's beyond knowing for sure, but I wonder if Ruth and Naomi were not in the crowd looking on as all of these proceedings were taking place. I mean, hardworking, diligent woman, uh, big decisions about to be made that's going to impact the, them for the rest of their lives. I don't think they would have been sitting at home uh, twiddling their thumbs. There would have been a few walks past the city gates just to check and see what's going on. And at this point, what it looks like is like Boaz is trying to get rid of Naomi and Ruth and the land. He says, here's the land. Redeem it, if you will. But if you will not redeem it, I certainly will. But remember, he's not trying to get rid of them. Sneaky as a slung, remember? And so what happens is what Boaz has done in front of 10 elders and the rest of the village busy looking on is he has some information. Mr. So-and-so is willing to redeem. Mr. So-and-so does have the money to redeem. He is capable of redeeming in the story. But then comes the point where Boaz brings some more information to, to light. Remember how there was some rivalry between Israel and Moab? Remember how Moabite women had seduced the Israelites and caused 24,000 to die in a single day? Remember how they worshipped a plethora of different gods while Israel said, no, one God. They had refused to let the Israelites even pass through their land. There was no love lost between Israel and Moab. And that is when Boaz goes in verse 5, he says these words, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite. Amen. I'm going to just let that hang in the air as you... Uh, think about your decision. And remember that this is not just uh, some sort of tick the box and put Ruth off in the, the field there. He continues, he says, she's the widow of the dead in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. And it's at this point that the crowd would have gone silent and the 10 elders and everybody else would have shifted from Boaz and gone, Mr. So-and-so, you were keen a few minutes ago. Why not now? What's wrong? What are you going to do? And he says, I cannot do it. I won't do it. The only difference in this whole story is Ruth. And the very thing that pushes Mr. So-and-so away is actually the very thing that draws Boaz towards Ruth. Thank you, Jesus, that he is not like Mr. So-and-so. Jesus is like Boaz. And you are not pushed away by your sinfulness. You are not pushed away because you're a different race or because you've got a sexual history or because there's alcohol or anger involved. 
Jesus looks at you and he goes, in your brokenness, regardless of who you are, I love you and I desire to redeem you. You see, what's happened in the story is that Mr. So-and-so has gone, this is great. I can get fields. I can, you know, use some of my produce from those fields to go and take care of Naomi. But the moment Ruth comes in, this is a person to be loved. This is going to be his wife. And when he raises up offspring, the moment a son comes along, that son will take all of those fields and it will not belong to him any longer. And the reason that he gives is very similar to the rich guy from Luke chapter 16. He says, I can't let it endanger my inheritance. I can't let it slow down or stop my kingdom that I'm building down here. And so he says, I don't want you, I don't want helping you to stop me from building up what I'm doing here. Find somebody else to redeem you because I won't do it. And so Boaz at this point starts slipping off his slop ready to make his next speech. And the, the crux of the speech is, I will take Ruth to be my wife. He mentions some of the, the legal obligations so that they are all very clear of what would happen here. But he redeems, regardless of the cost, because now that Ruth is involved, there will be massive cost and sacrifice involved. But what Boaz says is, I am not doing this to gain land, because Ruth is in the story. It's not actually going to be land gained. It is going to be a wife that I love. And Boaz says, yes, I am absolutely in. Naomi will be taken care of. Ruth will be his wife, and he will raise up offspring with Ruth to make sure that the family name in Israel keeps on going. Ruth will not work as some sort of a servant in his fields. She will be in his home as a loving wife. When the witnesses bless their union, they say these words, may she be like Rachel and Leah who build up the house of Israel. And that she, she certainly is, because who would come later on through Ruth would be King David, the greatest king in the whole of the Old Testament. And he would find victory every different direction that he turns. He would build up physical Israel. But of far greater significance would be later on through this exact same family line would be Jesus Christ who would build up the kingdom of Israel. He would build up his church in such a manner that the gates of hell would not be able to stop it. And he is still building today. The 10 elders continue. They say, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Tamar was a foreign woman. She was a Canaanite. There was some uh, sexual misdeeds that happened there. She ended up having relations with Judah, who was her father-in-law. And yet, this is still in their exact family line and still part of the lineage leading up to Jesus. And so I have to ask you today, are there some things in your past that you are uh, uncomfortable with, some regrets that you may have? None of that stops you from coming to Jesus. He desires for you to be part of his family. None of those things chase you away. You look at Ruth, she's a foreign woman. She is redeemed, she's welcomed, she's married, and she's fruitful. That leads me to my second point for this morning. Number two is a meaningful marriage. They finally get married. It's amazing. She becomes Boaz's wife. And then the Lord blesses them with a son. And this is obviously significant for a few different reasons. The, the name would continue through Israel because the son is there. But what's beautiful as you go through the book of Ruth is it seems like there's so many just ordinary events and then you look a bit deeper and you go, wow, God's hand is just stamped all over the story. So it's ordinary events, but there are two places, only two in the whole of the book of Ruth, 
where God directly intervenes. And the one is in Ruth chapter 1, where it says God visited his people. God visited them, and as a result, the, the farmers have lots of food, and they are blessed. And Bethlehem, the house of bread, would have bread once again. But the other one is in today's passage, in verse 13. It says, the Lord gave Ruth conception. She, we have hints here that she may well have been barren. Remember how she was married to somebody else for about 10 years in the land of Moab? No children. Highly unusual, unless she wasn't able to have children. And if you just stop and pause a bit, you can consider that God is kind and generous, even in a situation like that. What sort of a life would it have been for her to go off to Moab, have a child, and that child's dad dies, now growing up in a fatherless household, having to move to a different country? Would the best possible situation not be that once she meets Boaz, and they are married, to then go, this is the perfect environment for them to have a son. Absolutely. And that is what God does. God gave Ruth conception. She has a son. Absolutely amazing. And we see that God gets all the glory for it. Verse 14 says, blessed be the Lord. It has been the Lord that has opened up all these doors and done these things. Naomi finds herself at the end, having lost two sons, but somebody blesses her and says, man, Ruth is better to you than seven sons. And she doesn't correct them, which must mean that this is true. Naomi is going, thank you for Ruth. She's better than seven sons. Naomi's now a gran. She has the baby on her lap. Can't seem to get it back. Seems rather typical, doesn't it? Story starts off with three funerals, famine and death, but it ends with a wedding and a baby sitting on Naomi's lap and great joy all around. But you see, it would be quite a tragedy if the whole story of Ruth was only about these three tiny little characters and nothing bigger going on in the story. If we do, we zoom right into these three characters, we'll see some incredible things taking place. Naomi gets family. Her faith in God is restored. Her land is redeemed, and she will be taken care of by Boaz. Incredible. You look at Ruth. She starts off by saying, and your God will be my God. And from that moment, she is showered with blessing after blessing after blessing, starting off with just a little bit of favor in a field, lots of barley and wheat being taken home, but ending off with family, faith in Yahweh, marriage, motherhood, and security for the future. Absolutely incredible. You look to Boaz, Boaz redeems Ruth, and he gets a loving wife. He has waited long, and it's been worth it. Ruth is a catch. She's a hardworking, strong, diligent young lady who, upon hearing God's word, applies it straight away. And as we saw, she is beautiful, and Boaz loves her to bits. They come together. They get married. Ruth and Boaz are blessed by God with a child. Incredible, right? We look at those three characters. We go, wow, God, your goodness and your favor here is phenomenal. But if you were to just zoom out a little bit, you see some other prayers that God is answering through the book of Ruth. Just before this, we have the book of Judges, absolute carnage, flames in every chapter just about. It's dreadful. Everybody's doing whatever they think is right, which is never right. <laughs> and this is what it lands on. The whole end of the book of Judges is summed up in its final verse, Judges chapter 21, verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Lawlessness, no king, nobody to rally the people and do what is right or point them towards God. 
And why is it that Ruth comes just after the book of Judges? Is because God is answering this prayer. There is a king on the way. And he's going to come through this family. And certainly, King David comes through this family line. We need to be patient. They should have waited a bit longer. Maybe not have made Saul king. Who knows? But God's king that he had that was coming was King David, who would have been a king who rallies everybody around him, who points worship towards God, writes many amazing psalms and spiritual songs that just bless the nation. And God is answering that prayer in Judges. But again, zoom back out, because God is answering other prayers as well through the book of Ruth. If you zoom all the way back out to Genesis, what do you see? You see humanity fallen. You see people trying to follow their own desires. They reject God and they say, no, 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 we will decide for ourselves what is right and wrong. We will turn away. You have commanded us not to do this and you've said death will enter the world. We are going, we won't listen to you. We'll do our own things here. But there were also prophecies that one day there would come a redeemer king who would crush the head of Satan and who would set up his own kingdom. And he would rule with love and kindness and generosity. And he would stamp out every form of evil that there is in this world. And that is Jesus Christ. Again, through this exact family line, Jesus Christ would come. The book of Ruth is setting the stage for the Son of God to come and dwell amongst us. And that leads me to my third and final point for this morning. Point number three, a redeemer king greater than David. David was a phenomenal king. We are told he's the best Old Testament king that there was. He is an amazing guy. Yes, there were some blemishes and things he didn't get right perfectly, but that's because he is still a human being in the story. He is a person, but it's foreshadowing the greater than, the ultimate, the redeemer king that would come. That is Jesus Christ. So what do we see as Jesus Christ steps on the scene is that Mary is pregnant with Jesus. Joseph comes from Bethlehem. And at the exact point that she is pregnant and about to give birth, Caesar Augustus calls for a census to be taken, which means that you all need to go and return back to the city that you were born in. So we know how many people come from where. And where do they return? To Bethlehem, the house of bread. And it would be in this house of bread that the bread of life is born. And that is Jesus Christ. He comes onto the scene. And in the same way that the, the bread from heaven would come down in the wilderness many years ago, Jesus Christ would come down from heaven and he would take on human flesh. He would be the one who satisfies our soul forever until we go and we see Jesus face to face. And so as we look at him, I want you to see, church, that this is our ultimate redeemer. Three main things. I've made them all ours so that they're easy to remember for us. What would it take for somebody to redeem? Three things. First, right, resources, and resolve. You couldn't just go and redeem whoever you wanted. You needed a right to that person. You needed to be close to them. Does Jesus have the right to, to redeem us here? Absolutely. Jesus Christ takes on human flesh, and he comes and he dwells amongst us here in the dirt. He doesn't make sure that he's born in some palace and doesn't have to endure some of the tough things. He's born in a stable and placed in a manger. And afterwards, he goes off and he's raised in Galilee. He is a kinsman. He is like us. We're told he has experienced what temptation is like without sinning once. He is perfect. 
he certainly does have the right to redeem it. What about resources? Does Jesus have the resources necessary to redeem you and me? My goodness, he does. He's got all authority in heaven and on earth. And at his word, demons will be cast out. They will run and fear. At his word, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will be raised up, lepers will be cleansed. Does Jesus have the resources available? Most definitely. But you see that this is where Mr. So-and-so falls off the wagon. Because you can be strong enough, you can be close enough, but here's what really matters. Do you love the person involved? And that is where we look to Jesus. We go, Jesus, do you have the resolve to save these people? And Jesus would have looked up at a wooden cross and gone, knowing what would come, I love you enough to go to that cross. He knew what he was stepping into before he even came to earth, knew all things. He knew what would happen. And he still goes through with it because he loves you. He loves you. When we look at Boaz and we go, Boaz, how did your transaction take place? He slips off a slop and he hands it to his friend and they exchange slops. Jesus looks at a cross and says, it is going to require massive sacrifice and I am willing because I love you. He has got the resolve to go through being beaten, being mocked, being cast outside of the city and publicly crucified for you and for me because he desires to redeem you. He loves you. What the whole story of Ruth is pointing to is not only the, the redemption and the redeemer that would come and save Ruth and Naomi, but your and my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who would come to earth and he would save us. He would go to that cross. He has got the right. He's got the resources. And he certainly has the resolve to save you. What we're going to do now is we're going to go into a time of communion where we get to look back and we get to celebrate what Jesus has done for us at that cross. But I need to, I need to tell you that this is for those You can actually look back and celebrate what has already happened in your life. You can't celebrate this if you don't know Jesus. But remember that the good news is that you can come to know Jesus today, right here, right now. What would hold you back from coming into relationship with Jesus? It won't be race. We see that Ruth is pulled into God's family. It won't be any sort of sexual misconduct or past deeds, things that you uh, have shame over. The blood of Jesus can forgive you of all sin and pull you in. You go and you see uh, not only Ruth, but also Rahab. Boaz's mother is Rahab. Remember the prostitute from Jericho? She's part of this line as well. And she's drawn into the family line of Jesus. That can be you today. If you will come today and say, Jesus, I know that I'm not perfect, but I want to believe in you. And I love you, and I know, I know, when I look at that wooden cross, I know that you love me too. Then you can believe today, and you can come and enjoy communion and celebrate what Christ has done for you. And ask the servers if they wouldn't mind coming forward and taking their stations. There are four stations at the front. I believe there's two at the back, one over there and one on that side. Thank you so much. Then in your own time, when you are ready, you can come up. We are going to enjoy communion together. If you'll just hold on to the elements. And pray. While you have those elements, pray. And then I'll pray for us. We're going to enjoy these together. You can start coming up. Thank you, Matt.
to thank you that the transaction that you made for us cost you so dearly and yet you still went through this. Lord, we thank you so much that this is your body given for us. This is your blood poured out for us. Lord, we thank you that you redeem us regardless of the cost. You love us enough to go to the cross for us. We want to remember that today, Lord. We want to say thank you, Jesus, for our redemption. At your blood, Lord, we are redeemed. And so as we enjoy the elements, Lord, would you be with us today? Would you come and dwell with us, Lord, make your home within us? And cast our mind frequently back to Calvary where you paid it all for us. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. We ask and take the elements. Lord, I want to thank you so much for such a special service. Thank you for the way that you've spoken to us today. Lord, I pray that we would be forever grateful for the way that you've redeemed us. Thank you that you have the resolve. You've got the rights and the resources. And you spend it all on us because you love us. Help us to leave this place with our hearts in the right place, Lord. And our hearts wanting to live for you wanting to know you more I pray Lord that you would bless us with your presence and that you would go with us until we meet again we ask this in your wonderful name Lord Jesus Amen guys that is the end of our service but Matt's going to keep playing for a little bit if anybody would like prayer we would love to pray for you we'll be here at the front if not there's great fellowship waiting to be had newcomers table grab yourself